Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. everyone. Jen, thanks so much. Oh, you're such a gift. I'm just so thankful you're here. (laughs) I'm so honored to be here. Um, Yeah, last week was wild and just just felt so loved and honored by my parents and by you guys and by Jen just now. Uh, I just feel so excited for this coming season. And um, you know, if you missed it last week, uh, my parents, uh, they're just moving into a grandparent role. They, uh, we've just, you know, the family analogy, it really works. And just in family, the grandparents, they're, they're still so involved and they just get to celebrate the wins and successes and, and cheer on and provide wisdom and, you know, just sit and say and share stories like, oh, I did it this way once. I would do it different this, t- this time. Or, you know, and just that analogy just works so beautifully because um, I just know in this coming season, I just wanna pull so much from who they are and what they've sown in our environment. So, um, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to share today. And uh, today I wanna just highlight um, who we are as a community. And I also wanna share um, where I feel like the Lord is taking us in this coming season. And so we all love our Bethel Atlanta community, our family, our culture that's created here. And when I think about our culture, the first thing that pops in my mind is a culture of worship. And you've seen it here today. Um, we worship Jesus like, like he's right in front of us. And um, I have this creation of a culture of worship has been cultivated for some years now. Um, we've been cultivating it. I would say that it's been cultivated for years in people's personal lives. Um, going back to Steve Hale in our previous church. So 20 years ago, we are at our previous church and um, he hears the Lord say, you're a worship leader. And we had great worship, but it wasn't an environment like you see in the tent where people are jumping and dancing and kids are running with streamers and um, you know, people are just coming alive in worship. And, and so dad heard that and he, you know, he decided, okay, I'm gonna go stand up front in that very empty front space of the church and, um, and just worship. And uh, because we're all worship leaders. And that started 20 something years ago. And it was awkward. I was sitting there in my seat <laughs> and I was seeing my dad up there just worshiping alone in the front in an empty area. Um, and the beauty of that was our last day at that church. Um, we had this wonderful sending service and out there worshiping were little girls waving their flags, people dancing. The whole front was packed, just like you'd see out in the tent. And it was beautiful. And so we are creating a culture where everyone's a worship leader. I I loved Paul Spencer leading today. I actually was thinking about him this morning, um, about what a father he is for worship. He was our first worship leader here at Bethel Atlanta. And uh, I I didn't even know he was leading, but I was just just thanking the Lord for his investment in so many of our leaders. Um, He fathered Stevie and Kristen and Vanessa and so many more. And um, 
We've been gifted with worship leaders. It's crazy. Um, I remember our first day of school of ministry where people walked through the woods half a mile and were like, are we in the right place? <laughs> and up showed up some of the best worship leaders in our city and just such gifted, talented people. And we had this crazy worship from the start of Bassam. You know, worship as a culture, it takes cultivating, it takes stirring up, it takes building. And it's, it, it sometimes goes in slumps. I mean, I remember our Sandy Creek days when you were in an auditorium. I don't know who all remembers that, but we're in an auditorium, the floor is sloped. And so you're standing there and you're kind of leaning as you stand. And it's a huge room with huge ceilings. And we were used to being at ABC, like shoulder to shoulder. And, and you're just kind of spread out. And, and our worship was like, oh, we're just, we're plowing ground again. We're, we're plowing new ground. And so for that season, you know, Steve and Vanessa got up there and just shared a heart for worship. And it broke something in the atmosphere. There's ways that we've cultivated worship over the years where, you know, we all, we all know that we're worship leaders. We're all told, hey, we all have a new song. And so I think the early days of Bassam, we'd walk up with a mic and just put it in front of your face. And, and you're like, oh, it's, it's time. I have a new song apparently. And, and you'd find a new song and you'd sing it. And, um, and it was just a beautiful tilling of the ground and a cultivating of who we are as worshipers at Bethel Atlanta. Um, I've also loved this random season we're in where we've been online and I see pictures of your living rooms where your kids are worshiping and you're, you're waving flags in your empty living room. And I just think we are worshipers. That's who we are. It's in our DNA. And it's something that's just never gonna change. It's a non-negotiable. Um, another thing that is just so entrenched in our culture and who we are is our love for his presence. We can go anywhere with him. <laughs> I, I will follow him anywhere to the ends of the earth. I just wanna know he's right there with us. And his presence has guided us and shaped us for the whole existence of Bethel Atlanta. Um, the dreams that we have gotten and received in his presence um, have shaped the course of Bethel Atlanta's history. And, um, you know, I feel so loved that the Lord just wants to put us on like a glove. That, that we are his and he is ours. And that that is so integral to who we are. It's so foundational to who we are at Bethel Atlanta. And um, the third thing that I just think is just who, who we are, who you are, is that we hear his voice and we run and obey. And, you know, I've heard so many stories over the last 13 years, your stories. You come up to me and say, well, God told me to sell everything and move. <laughs> and you're just blown away. Okay, way to follow the voice of the Lord. You know, God told me to start a new business. Okay, you, you just chase after what, that, what the Lord is telling you. You know, my parents, uh, 15 or 16 years ago, we were um, at the, dad was having the height of his business and we were in Milwaukee doing the annual conference and he was being honored just uh, in, in his office and business. And, and, uh, and in the same moment, he heard the Lord say, okay, I, I see you going to this ministry school. I see you moving houses. 
Mom had a dream about Abraham moving three times in one night. And they, they stopped their business, paused their business in, in the height of it to, to run and to obey. And, and in his presence, that's what we do. We hear his voice and we run to obey. Um, it's our DNA. It is entrenched within us. It's in your stories. It's in our stories. It's why we're here on the land. It's, it's why we're rained out today. It's, it's the fact that two years ago, God said, hey, get on the land. And we said, okay. I don't think anyone would have thought we'd still be you know, in a tent slash outside in the open air. Um, but I wouldn't rather be anywhere else than hearing his voice and running after him and, and following his voice. And so I love that this is our DNA. I love that this is our culture. I love that it's deeply entrenched in us, <laughs> that we are worshipers, that love his presence and run, hear his voice to run to obey. And so those things to me, we just walk into this culture and you feel it and you catch it and, and it's beautiful. And those are our non-negotiables. Those are who we are. It's, it's who God's put in us from the beginning. It's, it's part of our history and our stories and, and where we're headed. And in addition to those non-negotiables, the Lord is highlighting something to add in the season, to build on that foundation. And he is calling us to create a culture of discipleship. And similar to how we have this beautiful culture of worship, you can walk in from not knowing us and feel like a worshiper pretty fast. We have this heart because of God's voice right now is highlighting discipleship. What I mean by discipleship, I mean raising up mothers and fathers, um, finding mothers and fathers in your life, um, being a leader who leads. <laughs> um, I, discipleship, to be authentic and real, vulnerable and transparent. We're invited into this. So just as worship has been that culture that we just walk into, um, discipleship is one that we're wanting to create in a similar way. It'll take that cultivating, it'll take stirring up, it'll take, you know, inspiration. It'll take walking up in the middle of worship to say, hey, sing a new song. It'll take stirring, cultivating land. But we're, we're creating and we're on a, a direction from the Lord to create a culture of discipleship. And it's been a really, really fun last few months of hearing his voice and just hearing where he's taking us. And as a team, we've been just piecing together words from the Lord, words, um, prophetic words that are eight years old and prophetic words that are two years old, um, dreams of old, dreams that are two weeks old. And I've watched the Lord just weave this gold thread through all of them. Um, I think the first one I wanna allude to is eight years ago, we were at the ABC building. We can mark all of our time by what location we were in. And uh, Danny Silk was there speaking. And my dad got this word and he said, it's a very simple word, but it was very clear. He said, find 300 people that will find a thousand and they will change your city. That word's eight years old. And for all these years, we've just been holding on to this verse for our house, Isaiah 61. They'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord 
for the display of his splendor, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And we've been saying, we're gonna reign in life to restore a city. So what does this look like? This is so fun to me that two weeks ago, Chris Vallotton, he prophesied over my parents and he said, I wanna get it right. He said, (laughs) I see you moving up and over. You're a mom and a dad over a city. You're going to rebuild a city and it's going to be the most fruitful season. And I was like, rebuild a city. That just sounds just like what we've been saying all this time. So I looked up the definition of rebuild and the only word is restore. So for 13 years, we've been saying, we're gonna reign in life and restore a city. And then my parents get this word that said, you're gonna rebuild a city. You're gonna mom and dad a city. And I, it just touched my heart that the Lord is, is so in every step of this. And, um, and I also touched my heart that, We've been saying, find 300 to find 1,000 that'll change your city. So God's weaving this beautiful thread. I just picture a golden thread going through all these prophetic words and all these dreams and all these word from the Lord moments that we've had. And so I've been picturing, and do this with me, like what does it look like for 1,000 people to touch a city? What does it look like for 1,000 people to show up in a city? What does it look like for 300 to find that 1,000? Does it look like 300 finding two or three in front of them, gathering together, (laughs) Ecclesia, two or three coming together in my name? Does it look like our youth group, youth going to school and gathering together and saying, we're dedicating this school to the Lord? We're gonna, we're gonna invest in each other. We're gonna invest, uh, we're gonna find mothers and fathers to speak into our life. What does it look like for people in the workplace? Like, what does it look like for God to just show up and you show up in, your, in, in where you are, where you're at, wherever you're at, wherever your sphere is? Um, you know, I loved Scott Redding shared a testimony t- two months ago probably. And uh, he said that he had a kid on his soccer team and the kid was going blind with, I don't remember the medical term, but there were spots appearing, you know, in his left and right lower peripheral vision. And uh, he was unable to get his driver's license because he was on track to become blind in the near future. And uh, and Scott Scott didn't pray for him the first year, but he told the Lord, God, if he's on my team next year, I'm gonna pray for that kid. And um, he had this perfect moment. Um, The kid was waiting to get picked up. He prayed for him. I think he was 15, 16, probably a 16 year old kid. Um, And nothing happened in the moment. The kid's driving home with his mom 10 minutes later. And the kid screams out, you know, in shock because he can see, he can see all these spots, all these spots disappear and he can see fully. And his mom uh, later texts Scott a picture of her son with his driver's license, the one he wasn't able to get because he didn't have good vision, he was now able to get. What is a thousand people showing up in their spheres, on their soccer team where they coach or in their school or at their work. What does that look like? It looks like a city that can be changed. It looks like a city that's forever impacted by the love of the Father. Two years ago, I, I was, um, it was January two years ago and I was praying and I saw this picture 
uh, our city with fires in homes all over the city. And I, I, I almost wanted to just go buy a rental house in the city. I was like, what is going on in our city? God's gonna do something great in our city. And now, a year and a half, almost two years later, I realize God's gonna do something great in our city through all of us reaching into our spheres of influence and showing up. And it is gonna be beautiful. <laughs> so this is us weaving these prophetic words, okay? I'm just weaving more together for you. Um, Blake gave us a staff, our staff a word of, in April of 2018. So we've been sitting on it for a while, I guess two and a half years, and just kind of, it was a beautiful word. He um, read a scroll to us that was provided by the Lord, and it was just this jaw-dropping moment of reverence, like, oh, Father God, you're so good to speak to us. I mean, it just felt like a gift from heaven, and um, and there was five or six different parts to it, but one part I wanna to allude to today because it has just um, been forever etched in our mind and is jumping off the page right now. And it says, remember your brothers and sisters, remember your mothers and fathers, and remember your sons and daughters. And make more brothers and sisters, make more mothers and fathers, and make more sons and daughters. And how do we do that? It looks like discipleship. <laughs> how, do we, how do we invite someone in our lives? Like, you have a, a graced father. Can you, can you father me? Can you invest in my life? And doing the same for others. It's a beautiful thing. And it is what a like, gift from God to have this scroll appear and Blake just read it to us. And it was just such a clear word from heaven. <laughs> Another dream is, uh, my mom shared it last week, and it was a picture of them, mom and dad, and they were manicuring a lawn. And if you know my parents, you know they love their grass, they love, you know, all things beautiful and green, and they were manicuring their lawn. My mom, I have a memory of her, and uh, growing up, she would cut grass on Saturday mornings for a couple of hours, and she had the best lines and she would like pride herself on these really great lines. So I think it's appropriate in this dream that they are manicuring a lawn. And so they're manicuring a lawn and they go in this beautiful wooden carved door into a courtyard where they find Jesus. And Jesus is, um, he is hanging up those outdoor lights. And you know the lights that you see um, in yards, like the pretty lights that are clear. And he was hanging up the lights. And the lights were people. And so then, so that dream fast forwarded like many, many years. And my parents were very old and they were driving on 85 South. And they look to their left to see Tyrone. And there was just this huge um, density of many, many lights around here, around our church. And it went out from our church into all the city, into Metro Atlanta. So there was this density of lights and it started getting strung through the trees all through our city. And they represented people. Mom said they represented people with their, you, you and I, you and I, with our giftings, our heritage and our history touching our city. And so um, there, it, is, it is a season of, of impact for our city by, by who we are 
showing up as who we are and um, carrying that love of the Lord with us. There's a, there's a fifth, and this will be my last one to share, but um, a fifth dream that we have just been um, holding tight and weaving it together, just hearing what the Lord is saying in this season. And it is a dream um, mom had a couple of weeks ago. So it was cool. Our senior leadership was just mulling on all of this and praying, and then she had this dream. And so in the dream, um, my mom and dad were walking, Steve and Lindy are walking around the old youth room where we did youth group many, many years ago. It's, a, it's an addition to their house. It's over their garage. It's a big room. And they were walking around the room praying for you, all of us, and putting their hands on everyone's eyes. And they were saying, it's time to conceive. It's time to conceive. It's time to conceive. And she woke up and she said, it's a mandate for leadership. So we are raising up leaders who disciple, <laughs> leaders who lead, disciples who disciple others. Um, and it is a mandate. It is our call on our house in this season. Now, it doesn't negate all of who we are. We will always be worshipers. That will never change. It's who we are. It comes out of us. We will never negate the love for his presence. The love for his presence carries us wherever we go. And we are going to be the people who always run and hear and obey. But I'm just loving in this season how we just hear his voice and it guides us and directs us. And our team has just been on a fun journey of hearing him and discovering um, even the thread that binds the words together over the years, it binds the dreams together. And uh, Danny, Danny Silk has been meeting with us and consulting us in this transition process. And he instructed me, hey, Lauren, you need to build your team. And I feel a grace on my life to lead a team that leads this church. And I have just, um, really have so much gratitude and um, just, it's been an amazing journey with these three leaders, these men. Um, my heart today was to bring them up and pray for them and have you guys extend your hands uh, to just bless them and pray for them as they, as we as a senior leadership lead. Um, and since the rain inhibited us from that. We'll do that in a couple of weeks because I just really want, I want it to be like, I want you to be able to extend your heart and extend your prayers. But I do wanna acknowledge them. Um, it's Blake Healy, Justin Stockman, and Dan Weber. And those guys um, and I have just been on this wonderful journey exploring what the Lord is saying in this season and letting him guide and direct our path as a, as a church, where we hear the voice of God, where we're going. Um, and it's been a fun, it's been fun to hear and, and run and obey. So my leadership style has been kind of compared to that of a conductor. And I know nothing of music at all. So you can just laugh as I go through this. But um, I did choir as a kid, but they only let me do it because I drove my brothers to the choir practices. So um, I was like an honorary member of chorus, even though I couldn't, couldn't hold a tune. But um, my leadership style has been compared to that of a conductor. And so I've been, I've been like just learning a little bit about orchestras. And I just picture our body as an orchestra playing this beautiful symphony. Like, for example, let's call it Beethoven. And, um, and, and that symphony that we play is who we are. It's, it's our DNA. It's the non-negotiables of our culture. It's... Um, 
It's, it's our core values. It's the fact that we're all worshipers who run and obey and who love his presence. It's, it's, the, it's those tenets that the God is in a good mood. God's won absolute victory. We are significant <laughs> um, and nothing is impossible. It's, it's all of that. That's, that, is the, that is the overall symphony that we are playing forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, but there are seasons in a symphony or moments in an orchestra where the Lord is highlighting a movement of song or like, oh, the violins, it's time to make y'all shine or something, come alive. And, uh, and in this season, the Lord is highlighting discipleship in that way. He's inviting us into, into creating a culture where people mother and father and find mothers and fathers in their lives and run together and, and just live a life of vulnerability and transparency and authenticity. And so that's what we're doing in this season. It's, it's just a movement in the orchestra. It's a movement in this, inside of the overall grand symphony. And so um, I just wanted to share with you guys where the Lord is highlighting in this season. I wanted to introduce to you the senior leadership team. I will definitely be praying for them in the coming weeks when we're, when we're together and in person so that you can extend your hand in grace. But um, Bethel Anna, I just love you all. I think I just, when, I, when we think or talk about you and our friends and our people, we're just blown away with, uh, with the caliber of people whose lives we've just all committed to following him fully and completely and, and wholeheartedly. And, and so I'm just honored to run alongside of you guys and um, I bless you so much. And Mike's gonna come and close now. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.